Morning, right, let's just um, pray to start. Father, thank you for giving me this opportunity to open up your word to my church family. I pray that you would give me the words to convey the message that you have for us today, that we would have ears to hear, and that the Holy Spirit would open up our ears, that we would know you better and follow you more closely as a result. Amen. Thank you. So, we're doing this um, sermon series at the moment. We're in the middle of this series called Encountering Jesus. And there's going to be a list behind me um, of the things we've looked at so far. So um, these are the stories that we've looked at. Tim's um, talked to us about Zacchaeus. And Quincy and Dale have both um, explained stories of blind guys that called out to Jesus. And then we've had a story of Jairus' daughter and a sick woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, who both got healed. And then Tim spoke to us last week about the paralyzed man. So we've got loads of encounters here, people meeting with Jesus, people mostly who put their faith in Jesus, cried out to him, and as a result, walked away saved and forgiven and or healed. Now, this one today, this story we're looking at today, is a little bit different. So, if I was into games and enforced fun, which I'm not, <laughs> we might have a little kind of spot the difference competition. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to ask you the differences. I'm just going to ask you to think about them. So, um, as I read the story to you today, just have a little think about how this story is different. What are the things that jump out at you that make, make it different from the other stories that we've looked at? So we're going to read John chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. It's going to come up behind me, so you don't have to turn to it, but you can if you wish. And it's the story of a guy called Nicodemus who encounters Jesus. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh give birth, gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So there's our story of Nicodemus meeting with Jesus. So let's go through some of the things that jump out at us from that story. So first of all, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. So effectively, he's an expert in the Old Testament. Jesus calls him Israel's teacher. He knows his Bible, his Old Testament really, really well. And the next thing to jump out is that he came to Jesus at night. So it's like it's in secret. So that's in contrast to the other stories we've looked at, where there's people in broad daylight shouting out, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. He came to Jesus at night. Maybe he was concerned about his reputation because the Pharisees were not big fans of Jesus. <laughs> they didn't like what he was doing. And so maybe he's worried about what his colleagues will think. Maybe he thinks that they'll condemn him if he's shown to be fraternizing with Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he calls him teacher. Rabbi means teacher. So that shows that he respects Jesus. But it doesn't show that he's put his faith in him. It just shows that he sees him as a rabbi, a teacher, which is what he is as well. And the way that they talk, I mean, they discuss things at length. It's not just like one of those brief encounters that we've looked at so far. They converse at length and they talk in the traditional way in which the religious leaders discuss the scriptures. So... The bit where he says, um, surely you can't enter into your mother's womb a second time to be born again. Nicodemus didn't actually think that that's what Jesus was saying. He knew that Jesus didn't mean literal rebirth. And if you like, the way that the religious teachers talk to each other in, in the day, it was a bit like what we call banter in our culture. So it's like a little bit sarcastic. They used to take the... Um, like the extreme conclusion from that Old Testament truth um, that they would be discussing and like take it to the extreme so that they could discuss it fully and like tease out the truth of it. So he was like, surely you don't mean I need to go back into my mother's womb. Well, he knew that that's not what Jesus meant. But they were just kind of backwards and forwards debating this point. And the other main difference that we see from this story and the other ones, is that Nicodemus did not accept the truth. It seems like he walked away from this encounter unchanged. It says in verse 11 and verse 12, you do not accept our testimony, you do not believe. Jesus could see that Nicodemus did not believe. His heart remained unchanged, and he had not put his faith in Jesus. So, what, Jesus, what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Let's dig a little bit deeper into it. Jesus tells Nicodemus the truth, just like straight up. He doesn't like go in gently. He says to Nicodemus, man, you're spiritually dead. That's basically what he's saying. When he see, says like you need to be born of the flesh and of the spirit, He's saying, yeah, your flesh is alive, your body is alive, you've been born, but you're spiritually dead, mate. <laughs> so we see that Nicodemus is religious, he's a Pharisee, he's a teacher of the Old Testament, but he's not yet born again. 
He's religious in the sense that he's a Pharisee, but also, right at the beginning, he recognizes that Jesus is sent from God. So it's possible to be religious, to recognize that Jesus is from God, but not to be born again and not to be his follower. There's lots of people in our culture who recognize that Jesus is from God, right? That he was a prophet or that he was a really good man, but that does not make them Christians. That doesn't make them his followers. And Jesus says that we must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. It's not like an optional religious experience. It's fundamental. We must be spiritually alive to enter the kingdom of God to be Jesus' followers. Jesus also says to Nicodemus that this isn't completely new information. Someone who knows the Old Testament should really understand this. In verse 10, where he says, you are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand? He's saying, like, the Old Testament says this. Hello. And Jesus also explains that with new spiritual life, the simultaneous effect is like, seeing and receiving Jesus for who he is and believing in his promises. 1 John 5 verse 1 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So if you're born of God, you believe that Jesus is the Christ. And um, 1 John 5 verse 11 says, God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. They go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit brings us to spiritual life and we see that Jesus is the Son, and we believe in Jesus. Jesus explains this when he talks about the new birth being the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit being like the wind. He compares the Holy Spirit and the wind. We could really focus on this all morning for the whole preach. There's like so much material out there on this um, comparison between the Holy Spirit and the wind. And... Um, like Dale did a few weeks ago, where he was like, I could focus on this, but actually we're going to talk about this, or I could focus on this. Well, I'm going to do that a bit. But if you really want to um, get some more information on this, or you know, have a little Google, a little YouTube, um, there's some great stuff by John Piper, so I recommend that you look at his on this. But basically, the main, point, main points are, firstly, it's a bit of a play on words, because in Greek, the word for wind and the word for spirit are the same. So Jesus is making a bit of a play on words to help Nicodemus understand. And he's explaining that the Holy Spirit has free will. He is not controlled by us. Like the wind, the wind isn't controlled by us. We can't control it. That's like the Holy Spirit. But there are perceptible effects of the work of the Holy Spirit. So where he says about the sound of the wind... We can hear the wind. We can see what it's moving when we see the trees moving. That's like the Holy Spirit. We can see the Holy Spirit at work, but we can't control it. But there are perceptible effects. And also, there's some mystery there. The Holy Spirit works in ways that we don't fully understand. And I'm sure some people understand how the wind works, but I don't. And back in the day when Jesus and Nicodemus were talking, they didn't really know how the wind works. And the Holy Spirit is like that. There's some mystery there we don't fully understand. But sometimes he leads people to new birth, and sometimes he doesn't. And at that exact moment, Nicodemus, his eyes weren't opened by the Holy Spirit. It looks like he just walks away from this encounter. So what can we learn from this encounter? Well, first of all, 
Jesus literally just told him the truth. And we've got a commission from Jesus, the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. When we're given an opportunity to tell someone the truth, we really need to do that. Just grab it, grab it with both hands. That's what Jesus has called us to do. And it's so easy not to. One of my friends who is in this room and shall remain nameless recently told me about a hairdresser that she went to see, a new hairdresser, who was making the little chit-chat, you know, as hairdressers do, and um, was talking about a tattoo that she wanted to get on her wrist, an infinity symbol, and she was talking about how, you know, she wanted it to be like a spiritual thing, and then she said, oh, but I don't believe in God or any of that. And my friend missed the opportunity, just let it pass her by. We've all done it, haven't we? She just was like, oh, yeah, instead of going, oh, actually, yeah, I do believe in God, because sometimes it feels a little bit awkward, doesn't it? And we just let the opportunities pass us by. One of my friends recently was telling me about something she'd done that was a little bit naughty. (laughs) We were both having a little laugh about it, and she went, oh, I'm not going to hell, am I? And what did I do? I just laughed along with her. I didn't take the opportunity to go well, actually, you know, I'm not really sure that you've put your faith in Jesus. (laughs) It didn't really seem the right moment in the conversation, but I need to apologize to her because actually I've missed an opportunity there to tell her the truth about, you know, the fact that she's missing out on a relationship with her father God. Like we heard from Ricky earlier, you know, We're missing out if we're not in a relationship with our true father in heaven. And I've done my friend a disservice there, you know? So I pray that I'll have another opportunity to tell her the truth. And the second thing that this encounter teaches us is that we might never see the fruit of that conversation. So Jesus just tells Nicodemus the truth, mic drop, Nicodemus walks out, and he doesn't see, as far as we know so far, he doesn't see the fruit of that conversation. But you know, Isaiah 55.11 says, God's word will not return empty, but will accomplish his desire and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. If you tell someone what the Bible says, it will not return empty, it will bear fruit, it will achieve God's purposes. And thirdly, we see that revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not my job to um, make that truth, like, be revealed in that person's heart. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Colossians 2.13, Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. God in the Holy Spirit makes you alive with Christ. That's not my job. I just have to tell people the truth. So, you know, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility and we might never see the fruit, but we have to leave it to him. We have a duty to pass on the truth out of love. Even atheists know that. Did you know that? There are several, like, outspoken, famous atheists who have said... Christianity cannot be true because people would be shouting about it, like telling everyone. So it just can't be, you know, because the people that I love would have sat me down, the people that love me that are Christians would have sat me down and said, hey, mate, really, this is a life or death situation. But these, these people haven't experienced that. So there's this guy called Penn Gillette. He's one half of the American magician duo, Penn and Teller. And he's really outspoken. There's loads of um, videos on YouTube um, that he's um, spoken about his atheism and how Christianity can't be true. 
And one thing he said that really grabbed me, he said, how much do you have to hate someone not to pass that on if you believe it's the truth and will save them? And that really kind of like hit me. Like, you know, like my mum's not saved. She's, she, she hasn't put her faith in Jesus. Do I hate her? No, I love her. But do I grab every opportunity to tell her the truth about what Jesus has done for her and how much God loves her? No, I don't. John 8.32 says, if you hold to Jesus' teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We want to see our friends set free, don't we? We want to see our relatives, our friends set free. So we need to tell them the truth. And it's our duty out of love. So if you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus and you're here today, it is my duty to tell you the truth. Not because I want to frighten you or because, you know anything just simply out of love because we love you here at this church and we want to tell you the truth about what Jesus has done for you and we need to tell you that you're spiritually dead and separated from God but Jesus came to remove your sin and forgive you so that you can be reconciled to God your father God loves you and wants to adopt you into his family as his son or daughter and this is a life or death thing We believe that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's what Romans 10 verse 9 says. And even in that passage that we just read about Nicodemus, it ends with this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I pray that that truth will um, dwell in your heart and grow and that you would believe that Jesus is Lord. So, what about Nicodemus? Now, what's good for him is that, actually, that wasn't his only encounter with Jesus. We can follow his story on through John's gospel and we see two other other occasions where he encountered Jesus. So let's focus today on following on his story and seeing what happened when the truth was planted in him. So the second encounter is in John 7. It's really short. You can follow it on the screen. It says, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, i.e. the Pharisees, asked Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? So this is Jesus' trial before the Sanhedrin, before he gets um, crucified. And Nicodemus is here reminding the Sanhedrin what the law says. The law requires a person be heard before being judged, like, let's hear from him. So was he defending Jesus? Was he standing up for Jesus? Well, a little bit. Um, he's put himself at risk here because he's speaking out instead of just being with the others. Yeah, he's blasphemous, let's put him to death. He's like, wait a minute, hold on, let's hear from this guy. So he's putting himself at risk a little bit. And we see that in the next verse, verse 52 says, are you from Galilee too? They're like saying, are you one of his followers? I mean, he could have been condemned as one of Jesus' followers and made an example of. So he's putting himself at risk a little bit. But it's not entirely clear from this passage where he stands. So let's follow on his story. There's a third encounter. This is after Jesus' death. In John 19, it says, 
Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 35 kilograms. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So here we see Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea going to the cross. Well, they went to ask if they could have Jesus' body from Pilate, and then they went to the cross and they took the body down. Suddenly, Nicodemus seems to be really nailing his colours to the mast. He's saying, I am a follower of Jesus. This is a very public display of being close to Jesus. He's literally taking his dead body. It's daylight. He's gone to the cross. He's touching his dead body. This is a really dangerous time for Nicodemus to do this, to make such a public display and nail his colours to the mast like this because they often executed the followers of criminals to make an example of them and to stop other people just kind of taking, taking that person's place in whatever crime they were in. <laughs> and not only is it dangerous, but Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, was willing to defile himself and make himself ritually unclean. This is the day of preparation. That means the next day was the Passover. And... Numbers 19.11 says, whoever touches the dead body of anyone will be unclean for seven days. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee, but he's making himself unclean so that he can't celebrate the Passover because he's unclean for seven days, so he can't go to the temple um, and do what he normally does. So we see that he's risked his reputation here. Not only has Nicodemus risked his reputation, he's also spent his money Nicodemus provides the spices for the embalming process. And it tells us how many, 35 kilograms, you know, we're like, well, what does that mean? But actually, this was enough for 100 common, 100 or more common Jewish burials. And they used to, like, the more respected the person was, the more spices they used. And the amount that they use is the enough for actually for a royal burial, so he's literally treating Jesus as king. He's, you know, saying, this, this was my king, and he's burying them as like a royal burial. So what had actually happened between when he met with Jesus at night to chat and between when he had his trial and he said, oh, let's hear from this guy, and then this encounter when Jesus had died and he takes his body? The main thing, the main event that had happened was obviously the cross, when Jesus died on the cross and was, was crucified. So what happened to Nicodemus? Why would that make him suddenly declare, I am a follower of Jesus? Well, you know, we're not told, but we can make some educated guesses at, at what happened. He saw an innocent man put to death. He knew that the trial was a bit of a sham, that Jesus was innocent. He sees this innocent man put to death. But also, 
some crazy things happened at the crucifixion. I don't know if you've read it, but the, the sun stopped shining. Like, literally, the earth went black. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, miraculously. And being a Pharisee, maybe Nicodemus was in the temple. Maybe he saw that. Maybe he saw the curtain torn in two. He certainly would have seen that the sun stopped shining. And we read in Mark 15.39 that even the Roman centurion guarding Jesus declared that he was the Son of God. He says, like, surely this was the Son of God. So if even a Roman soldier standing there watching the crucifixion can go, whoa, wait a minute, we've just crucified God, then Nicodemus, as a Pharisee who knows his Old Testament, surely would have looked on it and known the truth. And also, on that note, he, he knew the Old Testament. Jesus' death also fulfilled loads of Old Testament prophecies. So this guy knows his Old Testament. He knows that in Isaiah 53, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions, and like a lamb to the slaughter, he did not open his mouth. He knows that in Psalm 22, it says, They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Maybe he saw that. Maybe he saw the Roman soldiers casting lots for Jesus' clothing and went, whoa, that rings a bell. Wait a minute. These prophecies are about him. And then even in um, the passage that we read about um, Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus, where Jesus actually prophesied to him, he said, I will be raised up, like he's talking about Moses with the snake in the desert. He says, I'll be lifted up. The Son of Man will be lifted up. And so that prophecy as well, he would have like, looked back on the words that Jesus said to him, and then he's seen that fulfilled. Jesus is lifted up on the cross. And so we can guess that all these things probably had an impact on Nicodemus and opened his eyes. But actually what happened is that the Holy Spirit opened Nicodemus' eyes and gave him new birth. He was born again. So how do we respond to this message? Well, first of all, if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope that this gives you a new sense of your duty to tell people the truth out of love. We want to pray for boldness. We want to be emboldened to speak the truth. Jesus told Nicodemus that he was spiritually dead and he saw him as he was. He wasn't impressed by Nicodemus's status, the fact that he was a Pharisee, the fact that he was a religious man. He just saw him as he was and told him the truth. And that's what we should be praying for, for boldness to do that. And we need to realize that we may never see the fruit of that, but that's okay. It's in God's hands. That's up to the Holy Spirit. We just need to plant the truth and just leave it there, you know? But also, if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, then I hope that you respond by really thinking about spiritual birth and maybe praying that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes. You know, maybe you're on a journey like Nicodemus was. We've got these three encounters. That's quite a journey. Maybe you're on that journey and you're taking your time to decide. Maybe you're religious but not born again. You know, maybe you're part of a church but the Holy Spirit hasn't yet touched your heart and given you rebirth. And I pray that you would reconsider the cross and what Jesus did for you and maybe ask for new spiritual birth, that you would become alive in Christ. So I think we're going to start our response in worship, looking to the cross, but I'm going to hand over to Quincy now to lead us in responding to that message.